Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, we are going to be talking in detail about kids and healthy eating, how to keep our kids eating things that are actually good for them. Um, I'm going to be chatting with Julia Nordgren. She um, is a doctor and wrote a fantastic cookbook about healthy eating with kids. And then I'm also going to be talking with Stephen Bean, who runs a healthy camp for kids that my kids are actually going to be attending this summer. So I'm excited to chat with both of them. Um, But first, I'm going to check in with my friend Claire about how our personal self-care is going this week. Claire. Hi, guys. Well, um, two weeks ago, I mm-hmm. was I was talking about taking that big L in uh, self-care. Yes. Recovering from the concussion. I'm doing much better. Yay. Much, much better. I um, returned to personal training. That's awesome. Well, I mean, yeah. How often do you do it? Three times a week right now. Wow. And then does she, like, tell you things to do in between, or that's just it? She would like for me to take, like, a long walk. <laughs> okay. Which is really, like, all I have time for. Yeah. Um, like, if my kids are at soccer practice, I'll take the dog with me. Got and it. And I'll, you know, yeah. actively walk, which is better than, like, sitting in my car and sure. being on my phone. Um, but she also did the meal plan, which that is oh. most of it for me. Got it. I had some really, really interesting relationships with some of the foods I was eating. So that okay. has been, even when I had the concussion and I had taken a break, I was really trying hard to stick to my meal plan. Mm-hmm. And I did, mm-hmm. ish, mm-hmm. ish. We did go to a big family or like school event, and they had like a dessert bar, and oh, I really yeah. went for it. Um, I don't know if you recall, I also did too. I think you and I. I wasn't collect- going to throw you under the bus. We but collectively went for it. Well, we, the desserts were really good. We decided we were going to be cupcake like um, reviewers. We tried all the <laughs> all the flavors, and they had really good. It was like. But these were, like, fancy cupcakes. It wasn't like, oh, I've had a chocolate and vanilla cupcake. I don't need to try that. These were, like, basil and lavender yes. lemon. and like chocolate, mint, and thyme. Totally. And like, oh, that lemon one was amazing. That, I'm still thinking about it. But what was funny about it, too, they didn't look as good as they tasted. That is really Do you remember true. when well, I brought that strawberry um, one I, and you were like, yeah, I'm good? Well, I do remember because, well, I hope none of these people are listening, that <laughs> my comment was... What is happening with the dessert bar? It looks like an after-school bake sale. <laughs> to which I was immediately offended because I had already taken a bite. And I was well, like, and then listen. you were like, listen, you need to try it before you start. Yeah. And like seven cupcakes later, mm-hmm. we went home. Yeah. So, okay. So food plan, that has been really important for me because it, I'm realizing through this workout, the food, and she has even said this, the food is 80% of this. Oh, it's, that's the truth. Which I'm like, well, well, why am I even working out? Okay, stop. First of all, let's let's say this. The food is 80% if the end game is weight. Correct. But, but you, that's not your end game. Your end game is to be stronger and to feel like you can walk, you know, you're traveling and you want to be in, in shape. And so you have to keep that in mind and yes. mental health. And, right, so feeling good. Yeah. I will say the food that I was choosing before this meal plan even though I know what I should be eating, yeah. wasn't making me feel good. Oh, well, yeah. I know. And yeah. sugar has been, I mean, uh-huh. sugar has been so hard to so let go hard. of. So hard. I know. So getting back to that and really making time to meal plan. Yes. Which I spend so much time meal planning for my kids. Yep. 
that I often forget about myself, oh. and I'll eat whatever scraps are left exactly. over. Exactly. You know, those six bites of mac oh, and cheese. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. Like, okay, there's their dinner. Wait, what am I eating? Right. What am I eating? Because all you yeah. care about is right. getting it done. Yes. Because it's one more task we mm-hmm. have to do. So I'm trying to be more mindful of that. Um, we eat a lot of beans in my house. That's and that's not bad. part of my, uh, my meal plan, too. Oh. So it's like beans and rice it is. There you go. And they're so happy. Oh, gosh, yeah. They absolutely love it. Totally. So really just trying to I mean my head feels better mm-hmm. but I still need to kind of be aware because concussion symptoms can last weeks yeah. months yeah and so some of my emotional responses have been a little eerie <laughs> thank you to my sweet husband like why are you crying about like uh, you know you can't find the remote and I'm like really uh-huh. emotional totally well yeah. that is upsetting overall overall I am I'm just getting back to like yeah, yeah just getting back to normal good yeah good well, um, I am finally getting over a cold that I caught from one of my kids that lasted for two to three weeks. You were sick forever. I was sick forever. So, you know, I just, this is like a, a lifelong struggle for me. I have a deviated septum, I have allergies, and I have asthma. Ugh. And when I get a little cold that everyone else will have for two to three days, my nasal cavities are like, oh, oh. Time to party. Go time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started in my chest. It hung out there for about a week. And then it, and it, I, I sounded terrible. I like, it was so gross. I was coughing and hacking constantly. Then it moved up to my head, you know, and then it moved back to my chest. Um, and then it affects your sleep. So like, oh, you can't even get better because you're not ridiculous. resting. It was ridiculous. And, you know, it just, it lasts for so long. And then you feel like you're like this gross pariah with a cold. But I think <laughs> that by that point, I'm probably not contagious. It's just lingering in my body. So I am, you know, still going back and forth on, do I need to do this deviated septum surgery? I do feel like this would not have such a strong hold on me. Yeah. If I, you know, because I think ultimately what probably happened is it was a sinus infection. It was a cold that then turned into an infection. Which with a deviated septum, that probably happens a lot. It does. Yeah. I have sinus infections more than what would be expected. Which then means you probably need to take antibiotics more than you really want to. Well, um, I should. And of course, my boyfriend's in my ear like, you should maybe just take an antibiotic. Maybe take it. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm always like, I mean, I know you're the same way. I don't like to take antibiotics. Yeah. Like, I really would prefer not to. So I'm always, like, doing this movable target. Like, no, I'm not going to take it. If by Monday it's bad, <laughs> I won't take it. Then Monday I'm like, I feel like it's getting better. Uh, if by Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, every time. Totally. And so I didn't take an antibiotic. And it did finally clear. But it took a very long time. And I'm still having to use my inhaler every day. Oh. Which is super annoying. We're also having an abnormally high like allergy season too. We are. Which that isn't is helping true. you. No, it's all just been kind of a nightmare. So I don't know. I'm I'm debating that surgery, but I've heard it's horrendous. Um, so if you're in the selfie podcast group, or even if you're not and you've done the surgery, I want to hear. Yeah. I, I need some feedback and encouragement. I need so I need some was people this last to, year when you were um, contemplating the ablation, you really yes. reached out to listeners and yes. really made you feel a lot better about it. They did. And now you're so happy you did it. I am. Yeah. So maybe this will be similar. Very, very, yeah, very much so. So help her out, guys. I know. <laughs> or if I shouldn't it. do it. I mean, I, I will say this too. I don't recover well from surgeries. Right. Um, both physically and emotionally. Oh, now I'm remembering your recovery. From yeah. The other surgery. <laughs> ablation surgery. Not the best example. Was a little rough. Um, but it was a little rough also because I've health anxiety and 
blah, 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 and general anxiety. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to decide because that was really miserable. This is what happens. I have these horrible colds. I'm in hell. And then by summer, when I'm like, I should probably schedule the surgery, actually, I'm like, I'm fine. I feel fine now. No, today right. I feel fine. Why would I put myself through that? Exactly. And then every winter, I'm like, dear Lord, do something. And let's be honest, you really don't have the time to be sick for three weeks. I really don't, but nor do I really have the time to um, go through a big nasal surgery recovery. I mean, I feel like you'll look fine. Oh, Just gosh. Driving I don't care how I look. Oh, is it, like, painful after? Oh, it's so painful. Oh. Yeah, I've heard it's, like, real bad. Impacted, and you can't is breathe. Is it similar to, like, so let's say you don't have a deviated septum, and you yeah. go and get, like, a nose job. It's way worse than that. Oh. Way worse than that. Okay. But you know what? I'm just going to put it out there right now. If I do it, I'll probably just, like, maybe shave a little off my nose, too, You're already there. Why not? I'm under. I don't think I would, like, go get a nose job for no reason, but I might. That's my department. That's <laughs> <laughs> your Get, get a um, uh, serious surgery, uh, facial change, uh, sign me up. <laughs> but I think if I'm under, it's funny because my mom did the same thing. She had to have deviated septum correction surgery. And then she like, I don't know. She, I mean, very minor change. Her nose to be perfectly bit. honest, if you have any interest in that, and this is for anyone, if you're going to do that, there's, there's no reason not to while you're having that surgery done. Yeah. Because if you were to go back and change your mind, you're having to pay for the surgery again. Yep. The, I mean. Oh, totally. It's perfect timing. Well, and what, I mean, what's funny is if I did do it, the place I'll do it is Cosmetic Care, where I have done a lot of facial. I love them. Sur- I love them. Um, they, they have some of the best doctors truly in the country to do nasal surgeries and not just nose jobs, but the interior stuff. Um, there was one of the characters on Real Housewives of Orange County had to do what I'm talking, you know, the whole DV oh, really? septum thing. Yes. Um, of course, I can't remember her name. But anyway, so I'll if I do it, I will go to Cosmetic Care, which, of course, I mean, you know, I, I did talk with them about maybe doing this. And they're like, of, of course, we should, you know, debulk your nose. That's what they say. Debulk. Do a little debulking. Like, debulk? You know, like, it's a little, like, like I don't know. Like, we're just going to give your hair a little trim. We're I just like going to do a little nose trim. I'm not trying to lose weight, guys. I'm debulking. Totally. <laughs> I thought that was such a nice way for them to say, like, well, your nose is kind of bulbous or whatever. But, um, of course, they were like, oh, yes, for sure. That's nothing. That's, you know, that's... That's easy. Oh, my gosh. Why wouldn't you? Of course, we'll do that. So, we'll see. I'm, like, really supportive of this. I I think that we're doing this. (laughs) Oh, we are? Yeah. Okay. Well, then you're going to change my dressings when I have to pull the cotton out of my nose... First of all, yes. Oh, disgusting. Because I love that stuff. Ew. So uh, don't threaten me with a good time, Kristen. All right. Well, (laughs) your challenge accepted. And you'll be pain-pilled up. You'll be fine. I don't do pain pills. I don't do them at all. Now this so, sounds less fun for no, you. No, I know. That's that's a big problem. I don't do any pain pills. Yeah, because you, you just they, they don't sit well with they you. They do at not all. sit well with me. Because they, they make, make it worse. They make me puke. And you know what you don't oh, want when God. you have your impacted sinuses healing is oh. to vomit. Yeah, no, I can't I can't take any pain pills, so blah blah. All anyway. right, we might need to revisit this then. Yeah, we'll see. Um, what do you have for two thumbs up? So this is like a big moment for me, uh-huh. right? Because as a kid, yes, this was the mom shoe. Okay, the mom shoe. I swear I would never wear. What? Keds. Wait a minute. Oh my gosh, you're so much younger than me. When I was a kid, <laughs> Keds were super cool. Well, they're cool again. They're cool again. <laughs> it's funny because I remember having like a really strong opinion about them as a kid. Like, oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. I will never wear those disgusting mom See, shoes. See, in the 80s, they were, like, really cool. You wore these with your pegged jeans. Yeah, and I I was still... Your mom was wearing them. 
<laughs> and I was wearing them. Your mom and I at the same time, apparently. It's funny to me because I saw somebody wearing... It was actually the photographer at my girlfriend's wedding. Uh-huh. She was dressed super cute, but she had kids on. And oh, yeah. They're totally co- making a comeback. And I was like, I love those. Where'd you yes. get them? And then I was horrified, right? Uh-huh. When I saw the little blue tag on the back. <laughs> yes. And now I'm obsessed. <laughs> I've already ordered a pair. They're super affordable, too. Oh, yeah. And they come in leather and canvas. Well, what did you order? Like the classic white or like something fancy? The classic white. Oh, man. Well, they, they get are real adorable. dirty, too, you know. So they're going to be like my shoes when I don't plan on like doing anything like real physical. Sure. Like I'll wear these to like a parent teacher conference. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to wear them for. We'll see. Whenever I get white shoes, too, I'm old. Like I won't even wear them. Yeah. I will just kind of admire them in the no, box totally. for a week or two. So I'm pretty excited oh about that. Oh my gosh, I'm really laughing about the kids. I don't think I could... I, I, and they're comfortable. I'm not going to ne- say, I, you know, never say never because there's been many styles that have come back in and I've been like, oh, I'll never, and then I do it. For example, skinny jeans. Yes. I mean, I swore up and down I would never wear skinny jeans. I was like, boot Flare cut. for life. Boot cut forever. Yeah. And then now I... That's all I wear. Like, wh- why did we think those tree trunk, sh- like, pant shape was, like, a good look for us? Well, I don't know. But, you know, now what's coming back is, like, the full-on mom jean. Like, that's what my daughter wants, high-waisted, yes. tapered at the ankle. Our girls are going through a little bit of a fashion moment. And yeah. I... <sighs> they really uh, are. Now we just sound like our mothers, but... I know. I just... It's a mishmash, mash, whatever, of the it's 90s. Very strange. But, like, all the bad 90s. It is. Well, you know what else is back? Do you remember the Steve Madden slides? Yes. Oh my god, I love those so much when they were in. Well, oh, so did I. But like, if you have a sweaty foot, I, that's not safe. Well, <laughs> although I have to admit, I did enjoy the Steve Madden slides, but I was more of a rocket dog girl. Oh, me too. Remember those? The real thick ones. Really thick foam. Real <laughs> thick foam. And they would like wear out like you would wear them and the, it would take like a layer of foam off the bottom. They're, oh, you could really get like to a hole at the oh, bottom. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, can't, I forgot about those. But I saw that Steve Madden slide coming back, and I was like, I will never. And then I was like, you know what? I might. They're real practical. You just throw those on. They're like liquor store shoes. You sell them on. Somebody will have those in India this year. Someone will. <laughs> I. Someone will. Yes. We're, we're going to the desert at the end of the summer. And yes. yes. Someone in our friend group will definitely show up in Steve Madden shoes. And I think it might be you. It might be. Yeah. Because now I'm like, order, put in part now. <laughs> Uh, we should link those, too, actually, um, because I don't know if everyone knows what we're talking about. Depending on how old some of our listeners are, they may not know. Well, let me paint a visual picture for you. <laughs> Steve Madden slides. Um, let's talk about an oval base mm-hmm. under your shoe and then um, basically a piece of large Velcro going over the top. And that's it. That's it. The end. And we thought they were so fashionable. Oh, we did. And, with your and three-quarter length skirt. Yes. And just to clarify, the base is maybe, eh, it's not huge, but it's like probably an inch, two inches. Yeah. So it's a little platform, but equal. You know, there's no wedge. No it's wedge. It's just a platform. You were just standing up on something. With like Velcro going across yeah. the top. Black Velcro. Or like a seatbelt type, like thick yeah. black. Yes. Stretchy. I'm excited to find these. They're really comfortable. This reminds me of, and I, I, this was shared in the selfie group, and there's a young lady who shared it in the group, and I thank her so much for the 90s makeup tutorial. That was hysterical, and we have to link that up. We have to. It is, I've watched it probably four or five it's times. It's a parody. I literally have done every single one of those oh things. Oh my gosh. Like when totally. she's talking about getting the eyeshadow up to the brow line. Yep. Oh, and don't worry about blending. Yes. It's fine for your neck and your face to be two different colors. Totally. That was super funny. We'll put that in the we do have to link that group. But we were talking about Indio, and so this kind of leads me to... We talked about how, like, we're we're so comfortable with each other now that, like, we don't care what we look like at the pool in Indio. Yes. 
But I'm still already obsessing about the bathing suit I'm going to wear oh, there. Oh, sure. For, like, maximum coverage. Sure. So I did find a really great bathing suit. Um, I am a bit top-heavy. I am a double D. And I struggle with any kind of cheap piece bathing suit. Yeah. So as of last year, I have just retired them. Yeah, that's fine. I am really... There's a couple that I have, like, a um, like the high-waisted brief yes, ones. I have many of those. For the most part, in the last year, year and a half, I haven't even worn a two-piece. I am loving this one-piece life, and I don't think I'm going back. Oh, it's fine. One-pieces are hot right now. I love them. And I found this great one on Amazon. It has, like, a ruffle top. Mm-hmm. And... And it's ruffle across it's the like, sleeve. It's off the shoulder. Yeah. So it's like a little... Like a, there's dresses like that, Like too. it almost has sleeves. Correct. Off the shoulder sleeves. And if I were to tell you my favorite part of my body, it would be my shoulders. Mm-hmm. They, I love them. Sure. So like for me, this is perfect. Because it hides, like, you know, like, the meat of your arm? Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm aware of the okay. meat of my arm. Well, the meat I'm, of my arm has really snuck up on me in the yeah, last two years. Same. It's super rude. This covers that perfectly. Oh, So it's like, got it. awesome shoulder, uh-huh. arm meat hidden. Got it. I'm feeling myself. But this also has straps. Mm-hmm. So for us top-heavy ladies, There's anything strapless mm-hmm. can be just stressful. Yeah. Halter doesn't work because it hurts your neck. Got it. So this is, like, regular straps, but mm-hmm. completely off the shoulder. So I'm feeling kind of fancy. It's really cute, too. And it comes it feels in a bunch of different colors. Forward. Ooh, what color did you get? Of course, black, because... Yeah. Like, why not? But I do kind of regret not getting the red, which I might actually get. Yeah. Um, the red is really cute. The red is super cute, too. And well, it kind of has a little bit of, like, a... Um, like, I don't, not vintage vibe, but, like... Um, I don't even know what I'm saying. I, like, I, I think wear, it's a vintage vibe. Like, I would wear yeah. it in Palm Springs. Yes. Cool no, it's, it's cool. It's stylish. Oh, I love it. We'll link that up in the show notes because that one is from Amazon. Yes. Yeah. All right. I have um, my thumbs up. I'm cheating a little bit because I'm going to talk about four things, but they're in one category. Okay. And that is masks. Oh, yes. So, I, you know, I love me a mask and my entire family is now on the mask train, <laughs> not just my daughter. We do masks all the time. The boys too? Oh, yeah. Stop. I, yeah. I mean, I think that they think that they do more than they actually do. All of my kids, I think they're like, oh, I have a pimple. I'll do a mask and it'll take it away, which... To be fair, I think I still think that sometimes, too. <laughs> and, like, I'm an esthetician. This is going to promise me the world? Sold. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, but, so, anyway, we... Okay, the, one of the masks that I just got that I really like, the brand is Claire. It's green... It's French green clay. Ooh. Um, and they have a regular mask, but they have one for teens, which I really like. And it is, it's just that fantastic green clay, yeah. you know, just it's pulling out all the, oh my yuck. gosh, it just feel, you feel like it's pulling the toxins yeah. out. Like you can feel it. Um, and it makes, it leaves your skin not too dry. You know how some, um, clay masks can just be like, wow, the top layer of my skin's not and it there it feels now. like your face is going to crack. Right. Yeah. Like this feels really, really nice. So my kids and I both really like that one. Claire, um, French clay. Um, now there's another mask that I like, and this is more for adults. It's called Dermatologist Choice Deep Cleansing Facial Mask. And this one's really good for like surface resurfacing, um, making your pores look smaller. Like if I had a party, I would do this one first. Yes. Um, it has glycolic acid, lactic acid, and salicylic. How do you say that one? Salicylic? Salicylic. Salicylic acid. So all of those ingredients there are um, actually exfoliating your skin, but just yes. gently. Yeah, right. So that that one I feel like is more of like a treatment mask. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
And then there's another one that I really like that's really good for really dry skin. So our kids like went to science camp. They came back with super chapped faces. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a kid with eczema. So this one's called Ren Ever Calm Ultra Comforting Rescue Mask. Oh, I like this. And this one like reduces irritation, reduces redness. If you're itchy, inflamed, it feels like... And it's almost like a smooth-on mask, and it doesn't really dry, if that makes sense. Yeah. You leave it on, and then you kind of, like, wipe it off. It's almost like a really rich lotion. Or, like, a really, like, a thicker serum or something. Yes. 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 That one's I, really I nice. I really gravitate to masks like that. Okay. I like I like these guys. Yeah. And I love this brand. I've used other things from them. Oh, have you? And yeah. And everything from them it's really good. is amazing. Yes. Ren, R-E-N. Um, and then another one that I'm really digging, and this one is... This one's different because it doesn't actually feel like a mask. It almost feels like a lotion, and you, I have left it on overnight. I love those kinds of masks. Yeah. So this one is um, it's from a company called Free Girl, which is all clean beauty products. They have a lot of great products. But this one is their Ambitious AHA Gel Mask. So this one has alpha hydroxy acids, um, but all from natural sources. And then it has, like, fruit enzymes. And it, again, just makes it feel like it's, like kind of taking off that top nasty layer of skin and it makes it feel really soft. One of the ways I'd love to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, to describe enzymes yeah. is if you think of like a Pac-Man, you know, yeah. like the character, yeah. what an enzyme mask does, and these are this is a great mask for teens too. Yeah. It goes in and basically eats and digests all of the muck in our ah, skin. Got so it. it's actually like, yes, it's absorbing it, eating it. It's like digesting yep. all of the dead skin. Yep. And so enzymes are like a way of um, exfoliating Got it. without irritating our skin. Got so it. So it's really good for people yes. who, like salicylic might be hard on someone who has real sensitive skin. Right. But an enzyme mask would be, they're going to get the same result with right. way less irritation. Got it. Yeah. I want to do like a mask party. We should. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that'd be really fun. I We have so many masks at my house. And it's India really can host funny. it. She can. I know. That girl took mask on her science trip she did she is she i mean i i swear I, like almost every night i look over at her and i'm like are, do you have a mask on she's like yeah to be fair her skin looks fantastic it really does her skin looks very hydrated and supple it does she's 12 and she you know this year started to get some breakouts mm-hmm. and she was very distressed about it yeah you know very upset about it and she is on a skincare routine what i love about india is when their problem comes up uh-huh instead of complaining and whining about it yeah. and feeling sorry for herself she researches. She does. And she figures out a way to solve it. She does. I think that is just such an awesome quality of hers. Well, we're not supposed to Enneagram type our children, but she's a three, clearly. I mean, that is such a three, like, okay, well, I'm going to research this. The other day she's in the car. it. She's in the car the other day, and she had downloaded um, a couple episodes of Friends from your trip. Yes. Uh-huh. The kids are in the back playing in the van, and they're fighting, whatever. Uh-huh. And she's just watching this one episode about Monica. <laughs> about Monica. And I look at her, and I go, do you think you guys are alike? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I'm like, Monica's a three. And she's like, I know. So, well, Monica might be a one. Oh, really? Because she's about rules. You know, it, she kind of vacillates. But Monica's very a, a rule follower. That's okay. You're right. And India is a little more, like, a three is different from a one. In that she we, just says the organization part of it. Yes. Threes like to get things done, but we don't mind breaking rules to get it done. You know, we're just like, okay, fine, it's fine, it's good enough, good enough. It's now, check it yeah, off the list. Send it home, it's yeah. good enough, yeah. 
Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Liz. We're the editors of CoolMomPicks.com and the co-hosts of Spawned, the award-winning podcast about parenting and parenting culture. Ooh, award-winning. We sound so fancy. I know. We sound very fancy, don't we? (laughs) So when you subscribe to Spawned, you'll catch celebrity guests, interviews with authors, discussions about hot-button topics from screen time management to product recommendations to the worst beauty trends that no one should ever try. That's a very good episode, by the way, if you need one to start with. We are usually pretty non-judgy, but like the eyelash extensions in the nostril, that is a real thing and don't do it. And if you can't tell by now, it's like a fun half hour with your girlfriends, us, only you don't have to make us coffee or serve snacks or even put on your pants. So we have to say true girlfriends will never make you wear pants. Right. Unless they have pockets, then they're much better than regular pants. (gasps) Yes, that's true. So search for Spawn Parenting Podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast. Which you're probably listening to right now. So you're already one step closer. All right. Well, I'm excited to chat with today's guest. Her name is Julia Nordgren. She is an MD. She's also a mother and, like many of us, is trying to figure out how to feed her family well. And she wrote a fantastic cookbook about that very thing. So I'm excited to be talking with her today. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're so welcome. It is such a pleasure. So talk to me a little bit about your own journey, um, You know, being a mom, uh, being a doctor, how those two intersect. Well, it's an interesting story. So unfortunately, being a pediatrician, you think it would be very helpful being a mom. It's not that helpful. (laughs) (laughs) It's helpful in some ways. But yeah, I think my journey is really around food and around parenting and around nutrition, just like so many of us. I was um, in my first 10 years as a pediatrician, and I just really felt like so many of the kids we were seeing, it was just so frustrating. They just weren't eating right. Their nutrition was pretty terrible. We're in this obesity epidemic. And I just really felt like I needed to be able to counsel my patients a little better. Mm-hmm. And in medical school, unfortunately, the nutrition piece isn't that strong. We learn a lot of biochemistry and a lot of physiology. Our nutrition piece wasn't that strong. And then, Kristen, what really is the question is, what do you make for dinner? Yeah. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. And I felt like, I don't know any of these things. I did not have a great upbringing in terms of like family meals and lots of home-cooked meals. And I just really wanted to learn more about food. So I took a break from my medical practice and I went to cooking school. I love it. I love it. And and you've written a book that I mean, first of all, it's very practical. Second of all, it's it's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> it's, thank you so much. It's a really pretty book. And I I count that high in my priorities of cookbooks. I'm kind of if a snob. If it does not look pretty, <laughs> you just don't want to look at it. Why I spend need the time photos. with not a good looking cookbook? <laughs> totally. Yeah, I have a great photographer who's a friend now. She I met her at a culinary conference. And she just, I think what was so nice is that we really connected as as women and as people. And we have, she really just helped me execute the vision, which is how do you make beautiful, simple food look gorgeous and inviting mm-hmm. without looking unattainable? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. these are simple things. This yes. is like steamed broccoli, braised carrots. These are simple things. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I like, one of the practices that my family and I have been trying to institute is that I let the kids look through my own cookbooks. I let them choose yes. a meal and then they have to help prepare that meal. But I have a lot of cookbooks that, first of all, the stuff's just too complicated. 
Right, right. Second of all, some of it isn't that healthy. You know, some of it of yeah. like, of course, you're going to grab the kids are going to gravitate towards like, I'll make a dessert. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm loving your cook- cookbook because my kids can actually execute the things in them. And I know that they're pretty healthy. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think, one of the real reasons I wanted to write the book was there's just not a lot in that space. There's really not. I mean, it's growing a lot, but what is really practical and healthy, not super fussy, with the understanding that it just unfortunately does take a little more time to cook or to eat at home or a little thought or a little planning ahead. Yeah, it does. It, it, I, I think the planning ahead is really the, the challenge really for many key. of us. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about you're inviting your kids into the conversation and you're asking for their opinions. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents that I see in clinic, they've really given up. Their kids like sweets, their kids like packaged foods, but kids have curiosity and interest about food. And sometimes I prescribe like you go to the bookstore and go to the cookbook section yeah, and just open it and sit for 30 minutes and look through and see what appeals to your child. And then by the end of the time, I promise you'll have three or four new ideas. It's so about, true. Wow. Like, oh, I didn't realize. I mean, I have so many funny stories about parents not knowing what their kids are open to. No, that is so true. Because we can get in ruts too, even as parents. I oh, mean, of I course. absolutely get in a rut. I end up eating the same thing for lunch every day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what, if, you know, do you have any tips for parents like myself for whom the struggle is really in the prep? Like my intentions yeah. are good, but the prep is where I fall. Yes. Yeah. I think the, a couple of things. First is, Sometimes when you look at meal planning, you feel like, all right, I got to have three things. I need a protein and a vegetable and a starch maybe. When you approach your dinners, don't forget it does not have to be that complicated. Mm. It just has to be very vegetable focused. And it doesn't have to be five things. It doesn't have to be three things. It could be two things. Right. You could do a lot of like – making whole wheat couscous for tonight, actually. And I just am going to dice a zucchini, saute that a little bit, put some couscous in there, and pour some hot water, let that cook up. I'm going to chop some spinach, toss it in there, maybe some cherry tomatoes. That's got a lot to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any, I'm curious if you have any favorite um, cooking appliances? You know, are, mm, do you, are you big on a rice cooker? Do you do the um, Instapot? What, you know, what's on your counter when you're cooking? Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassing. I admit I have an Instapot. I barely know how to use it. Me too. <laughs> i tried a couple of things. <laughs> it's just not intuitive. And it's it just really works not. funny. And the pressure is weird. And and you, this, it has uh, – some people love it. And I don't at all mean to disparage the, the product or the benefits it has to a lot of families. But for me, my training was so different. So – for me, it's so much work to learn how to do a whole other yeah. appliance to make things which I can just, I know how to do them on the stove top. Right. Sure. Probably it takes a little longer for me, but I'm willing to to manage that. And honestly, Krista, my favorite is just my chef's knife. The oh my gosh, knife. right. I keep it sharp. I When I start my prep, I'm just in my space and I'm in my happy zone. Yeah. And then it's not, not painful to dice a zucchini to cut up carrot. And I try to get it all done. Like when I start my prep, I get a nice clean counter, clean cutting board, mm-hmm. I get out my all of my oh, actually, you know what I bought recently that I love prep containers, glass containers with clear tops. 
Oh, yeah. I can see what I have. How many times do you go into your fridge and you pull totally. out something with a rubber t- and you're like, what is that? Totally. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. But it's helped me. Now I see, oh, yeah, I can't forget. I, I chopped, I pre-chopped all those onions. So if I'm prepping anyway on Sunday, I'll look through what I have and I'll just do myself a favor. And I love how this kind of ties back to your philosophy of self-care. Just help yourself out. Do yourself a favor. Just get it all cut and chopped and layer it. And it makes your cooking process so much easier. It's so true. And I will tell you, you know, for people who have kids and are wondering how do you get them involved, make them chop. I mean, Sue, like make Sue Chef, chop. make them chop. I, the other day I had my kids, I wanted to make all these soups. And I made my kids like I gave Eve to them, like you're chopping all these onions, you're chopping all these carrots, Good you're chopping you. all these parsnips. Yeah. You know, that's a super easy way it's to get so them involved. Helpful. It's yeah. so helpful. And I think when I'm always talking about helping people gather their resources, and that's yes. one of the things I focus on in my own advising is I have to identify like where people are missing resources or what they need help with mm-hmm. to give them good counsel. So sometimes I find like they're just struggling. It's not so much the prep, but it's the overwhelming nature of cooking. Yeah. It might be the cleaning. Yeah. And so I'll look at the kids. I'm like, wait a second, you're 14, right? You're 13. Mm-hmm. Can you hold it? game console like Mm -hmm. can you use the control can you use your thumbs like that okay i bet you could wash a dish totally yes and so utilizing your kids and coaching them because let me tell you like what they go into the world automatically after dinner getting up and going to the kitchen for 10 minutes to help clean they're such a good, helpful, kind human being. Oh my gosh, I completely agree. I tell my kids all the time, if this is a meal you're eating, it's a meal you're helping to prepare and helping to clean up. Of like, course. That, I mean, course. and it's it's wild how even in my own house growing up, my, my mom did all of it. She, I wasn't yeah. in the kitchen with her because you know what? It is, it's hard work at the beginning to get your kids in that habit. Ugh. You know, it oh is a little God. bit easier like, to just say, move and I'll do it, you know? Yeah. And you're like, seriously, is that a clean dish, people? Right. It's disgusting. It's so like, true. Like, they'll put dirty things that they think is clean. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. But the result is that We've I feel that our- <laughs> I, I went to college not knowing how to cook anything for myself. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I say to parents all the time, like, your kids need to learn how to cook a few things. Yeah. Because if they don't, they're vulnerable. Yes. Then other people are cooking for them. And frankly, it's not always trained chefs. It's the teenagers who are assembling the burritos at Chipotle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the model of these are unskilled workers. That's okay. But you just have to understand, like, you have to really, we we just fall down on our job if we don't give our kids really good basic cooking skills. No, I completely agree. And then it does make mealtime, it makes it easier for you. If you, you know, if I know that I can yell down and, and, and say, hey, you know, start the rice. Start the rice in the exactly. rice cooker. <laughs> exactly. It's it not makes that it hard. easier for us. Yeah. Yes. So totally. much easier. I mean, we're all working. So I do, I really believe that. My, my poor kids. So they're 14 and 12. But I said to them early on, you know, just so you know, guys, having a phone is a very mature adult thing to have responsibility for. And if you ever want a phone, the prerequisite to that is making 10 dishes. I love it. So four <gasps> main courses, three vegetable sides. Two hot breakfast, toast doesn't count, 
and one perfectly dressed salad. <gasps> I love this. And they and did they pull it. it off? Did they pull it off? They did. I yeah, love they it. They pulled it off, honestly. Well, my my younger son, he has to at least be in eighth grade. So he's in seventh grade. So he's not eligible until Got at it. least eighth grade and at least 10 dishes. Um. If I had to do it over again, I would say high school. I just, these kids are so young for these I know. devices. I mean, that's I... another conversation, but it's hard for them to manage the distraction. It's very hard for them to manage. I've been pretty strict with mine in terms of we have circle and we have time limits. And when yeah. your time limit's up, you're done. Because I don't well, think kids have the built-in impulse control to handle they it. They don't. Mm-mm. And frankly, neither do most adults. I, I don't. I mean, don't you wish you had a nickel for every time? Like, I'll be like doing my job. I'm like, oh, wait, just let me check this. And just let me check that. Oh. Or, And it's stuff that's legitimate. But then you're like, oh, man, I didn't finish this note or I didn't do yeah. this. Or, and I, I, you know, I really try to be open with my kids that it's something that as adults we all struggle with. Absolutely. And to be honest, like we said early on, okay, guys, no devices. And we said this long before they had phones, no devices at dinner. Totally. No devices on the dinner table. They are not welcome. They are not invited. Yeah. And in the beginning, like if they saw us like pulling up our phone to check a map or to check an email about a schedule, they're like, no phone, yeah, no phone. They're yeah. on you. Totally. Because the thing is like they want your attention. Oh, God. They do. They do not want you. You know what? Oh, my God. The saddest thing this kid said to me one day, we're just talking about food and mealtime. And he said, I wish my dad wasn't as interested in me as he is in his phone. Oh, gosh. That's brutal. And that's heartbreaking for kids. And you don't think that as an adult. You're like, well, of course I'm not more interested. It's just that I have to check this email. Or right. Everything feels urgent. Taking a picture. Mm-hmm. But that's what it feels like to a kid. Yeah. And when you direct your attention away from them, all they feel is that something else is more compelling than oh, they absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. so we've made this a great tradition, and so now the you know now we've had a lot of practice with that, and so now we just are like, all right, kids, let's it, put it aside, put it aside. Mm-hmm. And my fourteen year old will like put it in his lap. We're like, nope, totally not <laughs> even like, on the nope. table. Yeah, yeah, and even in my husband's or all of our works, like you know, when people are in meetings and just on their phones or. You know, it's it's something to really be cautious of. And so yeah. we're doing our best. It is. It absolutely is. So how do you, you know, how do you keep your family meals, aside from putting the phone away? Yeah. Um, you know, how do you keep them engaging? And how do you make them, you know, a, a time that feels intimate and close as a family? That's a great question. I'll be totally honest. It doesn't always have to be that way. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Like sometimes, but we we do it as much as we can always. So there are times where it's really funny or we have a great conversation going or someone has a good story or we talk about something that happened. And then sometimes we're just like, oh, I'm tired. How are you? How was seventh grade? Did seventh grade suck today? Yeah. I hear that a lot. That's Uh fine. (laughs) Yeah. You ready to move on with your day? Yeah. You know, and it's okay. And I think we, we don't have to set a huge expectation that every day it's like, you're making this perfect family meal and singing yeah, Kumbaya. That's good. You know, it doesn't have to be just, precious. It doesn't. It just has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so good. It does. It just it, you have to be there. And I think to your point too of our kids our kids want our attention. They don't always want our attention. A lot of times they don't, but yeah. we have to be available to it. I think that's exactly. what a lot of parenting older kids is is just you're oh, almost totally like agree. you're on call kind of for when yeah, they do want you. I'm just right you. here. Yeah. I'm just right across this table like I am every yeah. single night. Yep. And, and some nights they don't. And if tonight doesn't work don't... for you, yep. guess what we'll be? 
tomorrow night. Exactly. It's so true. And guess where it'll be the next night? And you don't ever have to lead a conversation Mm -hmm. for me to want to be with you. Yep. And so, and also just listening. And I I really love that you're inviting your kids into the conversation because I, I really, I think a lot of times parents get frustrated when their kids don't like a lot of things. And what's a fun opportunity for me in clinic is to say, all right, let's pretend we've never met. Mm. (laughs) You tell me, I tell the parents like you and your child have to play the foreign exchange student game. So say you're visiting and you're the host mom and you're the guest and the mom wants to feed you well and willing to do it. What would you say to them? Say you don't have any baggage. You don't know them. What's that conversation going to look like? You're you're a guest in their home or you're hosting this child which, you know, sort of we are. We're just hosting our own children for yeah, we 18 are. years. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> but that, what they like and what they care about matters. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a place of acceptance I had to come to with some of my own kids because I do have two incredibly picky eaters. Yeah. And I had a lot of pride that I wasn't going to be that mom with, you know, and then yeah. there's, you know, come to find out you can't control <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> what they like no. or don't like. It's like, I feel like taste in food is a lot like taste in music. Yeah. Some people can listen to the same music and love it yep. or like it over and over and over yep. again. Some people need that new album the second it drops. Yep. And so my daughters, you know, they have a very, very limited repertoire of vegetables they'll eat. And so those are the vegetables that they're served every single night. Every day. Good for I want you. them to eat a vegetable, and it exactly. I mean, it kind of sucks because then if I make if I make myself Brussels sprouts or asparagus yeah. or green beans with you know a yeah, sauce that I them. like, they're not going to eat that. Yeah. So they're going to have raw broccoli and raw carrots available Fine. at every meal. <laughs> Fine, but that's but you've come to a place where you understand it's the presence of the vegetable yep. that matters most. Yeah. So I always try to counsel families increase the quantity of vegetables first mm. and the variety second. That's that's good. Those are good words. Just yeah. Get, yeah. Just get in that quantity. Do you have any other tips for parents like myself who have picky eaters, kids maybe who don't want foods that touch or sauces or things like that? How do we make food we want to eat ourselves while catering to some of this like pickiness? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's funny. I've thought a lot about this. And one of the things I've decided to do in my own clinical practice and, and when I talk to families, I try to avoid the word picky. Because I think it makes kids feel um, criticized a little bit. And I think it makes them, um, mm. it sort of puts them into- Like a value into, judgment. It, 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 it gives them an identity. Oh, yeah. That maybe isn't true or maybe isn't useful. Yeah. Or maybe it hems them in in a way that they wouldn't otherwise be. Uh-huh. It gives them a self-identity. I'm yes. a picky eater, so- Yeah. So what I try to do is I try to say, well, I don't know, maybe they're just selective. Maybe they're just just exactly how you said it before, a limited repertoire. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, again, some people wear pink pants, purple pants, striped shirts. Some kids wear blue pants and blue shirts <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> every day. And that's fine. So I think if we just take a little bit of that, and I know it does, it ties into our pride as parents, and we want our kids to be good eaters, and we all have certain ideas about what that is. Mm-hmm. But in the end, here's what we need to do. We need these bodies to grow. Yep. We need them to have a safe and loving place to eat the foods that make them grow. That's good. Yeah. And that's probably it. <laughs> There's not a lot more it. to it. So if you're loving your kids and and if it takes – but if they're eating raw carrot and raw broccoli, that doesn't take a lot of extra time. No. 
Mm-mm. So you just do that and it's easy. Yeah. And then your grocery list doesn't have to be long. You don't have to have involved <laughs> conversations like exactly what kind of sauce would you like that with poached herb sauce? No, no they <laughs> so, don't. No. So take that as a win. Yeah. You know that that simplifies your life. They're clear about what pleases them. And what doesn't? Yeah, fine. Yeah. So I think that if this, when if you really just take time, you know, every, maybe once a season or once a year to open it up and really look at it. Mm-hmm. What are the things that they'll eat? Yep. I mean, and you know, their lives change so much month to month to month. So as they get older, they're out their friends more, they're at restaurants more, and they have money and all this. What are their experiences, and how does that inform what I can do for them? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, somebody goes to Panda Express with their friend and they have these teriyaki green beans, or I'm sort of making that up, but they've never had green beans before. Oh, if you had that, would you be interested in trying green beans with some teriyaki sauce like what you had the other night? Mm-hmm. Maybe that becomes a yes where it's not a yes before. Right. But I think really opening it up and looking at what they're eating and how they're growing mm-hmm. and what their energy is. And oh man, I took I saw this girl, beautiful young girl, overweight, 13 year old, struggling with like anxiety and depression. She was literally eating so little. They could not think of one vegetable she'll eat, barely mm-hmm. any fruits, lots of bread. And you know how it feels to eat like that? It feels, it feels awful. terrible. Yeah, it does it feel feels terrible. Awful. And for her to really think about changing that is kind of overwhelming. So we, we, you know, I gave them a lot of suggestions, but I, you know, it's a journey, right? But to really be sensitive to she doesn't probably know how badly it feels to eat the foods that she thinks she likes all the time. Right. So being in in tune to that. So it's probably not fine if your kid's only eating just refined carbohydrates. They're hungry. They're not eating enough nutrients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and that's what's hard is just finding the plant-based things that they will eat. And then you just, that's what you stock your fridge with. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And you just keep at it and you just Mm -hmm. keep at it. And so I think um, once you look at it and say, all right, there's these five things and we rotate through and they're growing great. Their energy seems good. They're sleeping well. They're running around. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last question for you. I'm curious, what are two or three of your family go-to meals? What what are you putting on the table? Well, oh my gosh. Honestly, the book was written with that's really what we eat a lot of. So yeah, we go, you know, we do stir fries, we do salads, we do fajitas, we do a lot of those types of foods. Um, I really try to base what I'm doing on what's around. I live in California. I just am so blessed to have a lot of stuff available. Today I'm doing, um, uh, my lemons are going crazy. So I'm doing um, a lemon and olive oil over whole wheat couscous with some diced sauteed zucchini. Ooh, that sounds yummy. That sounds so fancy. It's not fancy at all. They barely cook this stuff. It takes 10 minutes. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Right? Like it sounded very like la la la. Um, but I do a lot of basic stuff like that. Again, I start, I've really shifted over time my thought process about mealtime, which isn't like, all right, what's the protein, starch, and vegetable? I yeah. think what's vegetable? Yep. What's vegetable? Yeah. What's vegetable? It's good. <laughs> you know, then all the other stuff will come into place. You totally. Know? It's so true. 
So right. that's really what I do. I have I use a lot of fresh. I try to get fresh um, fish on occasion. Mm-hmm. I do eat meat, so I might do like. Um, you know, but more as a garnish in a way, like a little bit of steak inside a fajita. We don't do like big, big, huge steaks. Or we'll do like beautiful turkey burgers or quinoa veggie burgers. And a lot of roasted vegetables, which are just super easy. Oh, my gosh. And it's like anything tastes good roasted with olive oil. <laughs> you can't anything. go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then again, it's so true. Like it's it, that, that was like mind blowing. Like, oh, wait a second. You could just pop this in the oven with olive oil, salt, and pepper. It tastes amazing. Right? Yeah. It's so funny. The and then things giving kids that you autonomy, wouldn't even like. like. Oh, I know. So giving kids their own little salt and pepper to pass around and sprinkle on, see if they like it. Give them a little wedge of lemon. You know, letting them experiment a little bit. Absolutely. I love it. Well, people can find your book, which is called The New Family Table, Cooking More, Eating Together, and Staying Relatively Sane on Amazon. (laughs) Where else can people find you online? So you can find me on my website. That's drjuliacooks.com, which is D-R-J-U-L-I-A-C-O-O-K-S.com. And also my Instagram, which is drjuliacooks.com as well. All right. Well, I am here with Stephen Bean. He is the director of Camp New Heights. Tell us a little bit about this camp, Stephen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we're a youth health and wellness camp. Um, So we teach kids how to eat right, exercise, and then also we sort of involve that college immersion process of having them, uh, you know, living in the dorms on a college campus. And then, you know, you compile that with the SAT prep we do as well. Uh, We have a lot of kids who come in and they're, you know, like, oh, I'm never going to college. And then by the end of camp, they're like, how hard is it to get into UCSB? Mm, I love that. And they live on campus. Yeah, they live in the Santa Catalina dorms, which is the freshman dorms at UCSB. That's so fun. Well, my kids, um, two of my kids are going to be participating in your camp this summer, and we are pretty excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have them. I, I can't wait for them to work with our uh, NFL trainer, Joshua Thompson. I know. They're, they're pumped. They're pumped about that. You know, this is a podcast about self-care. And what is interesting to me about your camp is you really are teaching kids the art of self-care. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's so different from a lot of the other camps that sort of compete in our space where their success is based on sort of failure outside of camp, whereas our success is you sustaining what you've learned in camp and taking that information home and not only sharing it with your family, but sharing it with your friends and sort of spreading that message. So um to us, like our success is you succeeding outside. And so that's why our whole ideology is giving you those tools and knowledge to succeed outside rather than, oh, you came here, you did really well while you're here, and then you failed. Oh, you should come back another year. Like that's not how we see it. Like having those differentiators and having that sort of ability to grow within the camp, I think is uh a big thing that separates us from a lot of the other camps in our space. Absolutely. So for parents who are listening today who, you know, I know for a lot of us, we're not sure how to motivate our kids in terms of self-care, especially around healthy eating. Do you have any tips? How do you get kids excited or interested in the food that they're putting in their body? So uh, before every meal, we have a nutrition breakdown talking about like, you know, things you want to focus on depending on, you know, what classes you took or what workouts you may have for recovery, as well as preparing for the afternoon. And we sort of uh, let kids have that crash course. So, you know, typically the first day, a, a kid who's exposed to dining hall food for the first time where it's like, 
unlimited burgers and fries and like, you know, cake and ice cream and things like they're going to go wild. Right. And and they do. And like, in a sense, we somewhat want that because what we do is after every um, dinner, we have food journals in which they reflect on what they ate that day and as well as what they felt after they ate it. Um, so it's really putting together that that feeling of like, it's one thing to have someone preach to you and say like, this is good for you, you should eat mm-hmm. it. It's another thing for them to be able to make that correlation to say like, okay, I ate this and it may have tasted good, but I felt really sick after and my stomach hurt and like playing basketball was really tough after I, you know, ate that, you know, cake or whatever. And so it's like really starting to put in that relationship of like what you eat and how you feel. I love that. I love that that is the focus rather than shame or weight or, you know, it, it's about how you feel. You know, it's it's not about uh, simply a number or like waist measurements or anything like that. It's really about that holistic approach of how do you feel when you do something. And that's, you know, we had a kid last year who lost 42 pounds while he was with us. And again, we didn't like restrict his calories or anything like that. All we were doing was making the suggestions and empowering him to make those better choices. And so like he didn't look at the scale until he went home. Hmm. And it was that whole thing where like, okay, he ran the mile week one and his time was like 14 minutes. But by the time he left, he was running an 830 mile and it was all about how he felt. Not Not only was the time faster, but he felt good while he was doing it. And that's the big thing that we're trying to reach is that. That sort of that feeling and that uh, self-guided feeling to be able to say, like, I know I'm I'm better and I've gotten better and I feel better because that's the way I feel. It's not it's not the struggle anymore. And there's not the um, they sort of start taking a pride in themselves and it ups that self-esteem. And like, that's the big win for us. Absolutely. One of the things I appreciated about your camp, too, is, you know, you really have something for kids at every level. I mean, my kids are coming in. They're athletes. They're used to long days of practice and, um, you know, and you've got a spot for them and you've got a spot for kids who for whom maybe they've never really done regular exercise at all. Yeah. And that's uh, sort of the idea is that really diverse community that we try to build at camp. So in a high school uh, setting, like you may have, um, you know, the athletes on one one section and then like the kids who don't play sports in the other, and they may not intermingle a whole lot. And so our whole goal is to just have a really diverse community where kids that in their normal lives wouldn't necessarily interact, but they're exposed to all these different types of people and they're going to be interacting and living in that community together. And we you know, we're fortunate enough to be partnered with the Tiger Woods Foundation in that um, we're able to uh, able to provide scholarship money for kids of all economic backgrounds to attend as well. So it just it brings together an extremely diverse community um, that we create, um, you know, at UCSB. And those kids get get to interact with people that they wouldn't normally in their everyday school lives. I love that. I really love that aspect of it. How about, you know, for 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 kids and, you know, again, maybe for parents who are listening, whose kids are maybe um, exercise averse, that's not of interest to them, their kids aren't athletes. And I honestly, I have two of those kids in my own home. But, you know, two of my kids are athletes, two of them are just more like drama geeks. And, um, you know, what tips do you have for getting our kids motivated to 
you know, regular exercise as a part of their self-care as we're launching them into adulthood? I think the big thing is exposure and just exposing them to a lot of things because, you know, uh, a kid may not like a particular sport and that's fine, Mm -hmm. but there may be something that they find that they really do enjoy. And that's, you know, one of the things we search for is trying to give kids exposure to everything. So usually, you know, during the camp session, we'll do um, a mix it up Monday and it's like the kid has to try something, try a class that they have never tried before. And we have a lot of kids that like try stuff that they've never done before, both athlete and non-athlete. Yeah. And they find something that they really cling to. And then they go on, they go back home and then they start doing that like um, way more involved, whether it's like a school team or a rec team or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think the the thing with getting kids active is like, you know, I think uh, this generation of parents has it harder than it's ever been because, you know, when I was growing up, it was like my parents were competing against essentially just the TV, which, you know, the TV is plenty entertaining, but it was a one source thing that they fought against. Yep, yep. Now you're fighting against the TV, you're fighting against the phone, you're fighting against Fortnite, like it's a so whole true. onslaught. So I think you have to you have to show them that there is a uh, a vast offering as well of things that you can do outside that it's not a one-dimensional space in the same way that the alternatives are not a one-dimensional space. Absolutely. Yeah, I I completely agree. It is and it is hard. It it is difficult in this, you know, parenting space and time right now that we're in because there it, you know, there is such a pull to sit on screens and you know, we fight it in my home every day and we've got limits and you know, we've got time where it's like, okay, you're going to go outside. I don't care what you do out there, but you're going outside. <laughs> I mean, as as a PE teacher, like I, I fought with it in class because, you know, California has a law where you cannot take a student's cell phone. And so like as a teacher, you're competing for that that space and you have to I mean, it does make you up your game as a teacher to try and, you know, really be that that compelling and that interesting. But um, a lot of times you try to cut your losses and just get those kids moving and trying to expose them to those new things that um that they, they can, you know, find an interest in. And I think, you know, for me, having come from that teaching background, uh, I see camp as such a, an amazing opportunity because, you know, I used to work with kids for 55 minutes a class and like, mm-hmm. you know, subtract the the time it takes to take attendance, get everyone settled in, they get changed for PE, you know, all that stuff. Really, realistically, like 40 minutes of exposure to those kids. At camp, like, we're waking them up at 7 a.m., we're putting them to bed at 11 p.m., and it's like that, essentially, a week at camp is like the same exposure you would get in a year at school. Yeah. So the the impact you're able to have and and sort of, you know, shaping them and exposing them to these new things is like, uh, it's it's just magnified in such a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, f- I think even the fact that, you know, you have this opportunity to speak into food choices, because I think, you know, it's interesting. We don't, I, I don't think we really give kids a lot of education around that. They might have a semester of a health class in high school, at which point they're probably not super interested and it may not relate back to their food choices anyway. And, you know, I think everyone, you know, we tiptoe around food choices because we don't want to shame. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to put an emphasis on weight. But at the same time, I really feel like kids need to understand the effect of the things that they're putting in their body. That's a huge part of 
life and, and adulthood and agency is knowing what you're putting in your body and how it affects you. Oh, absolutely. And you're also, uh, you're competing against just huge money that is trying to muddy the waters in what is true. Um, I mean, you see those those commercials that, you know, are promoting high sugary drinks and it's like, oh, yeah. in moderation, it's like there really is no place for that ever. But um, yeah. But there, there's also, you know, we see a lot of misconceptions um, with like starchy grains at camp where kids think like, oh, you know, corn is a vegetable, like it's got to be good for you. And it's like, there's a reason they feed it to, you know, pigs and cattle to like, you know, beef them up. Um, so it's just a lot of misconceptions that you have to overcome. But it's also, uh, in a sense, we have to think about it like there are marginal gains to be made always so a kid may not leave camp and like reach that point of like you know the professional home chef where they're able to you know right yeah tom brady and like <laughs> reverse aging and all that stuff but if we can make a change from you know like hot cheetos to maybe a more nutritious uh like granola based bar or something or just yeah more whole foods kind of thing like that's that's a step in the right direction like is it still processed to some degree yeah but is that an improvement over like those hyper palatable foods that are sold to kids that like suppress hormonal response to your stomach that tell you when you're not hungry anymore yeah we'll take that as as a step in the right direction (laughs) absolutely i know it is sometimes about just those little gains right Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to make the the huge jump. You got to just go marginally step by step. I know. Yeah, my kids. And it, it is hard because there's so much marketing around the easy to consume stuff. Um, you know, my kids think that we don't do food dye in my house and we my kids are allowed to eat one food out of a package per day. And they think I'm insane. You know, they just <laughs> think that we are the most fringe family just like, really? Like, you know, this isn't that that crazy that I'm wanting you to eat whole foods, but it's like you walk through a grocery store and the middle section is mostly packaged and a lot of it packaged for kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, the if you look at sort of what's been done over the past 30 years in fighting legislation that tells you how much added sugar is in food, like it's astonishing and sort of the measures that have been gone to uh you know influence government decisions about sort of masking those kind of things like you'll notice on the back of a nutrition label there's daily percentages for everything but sugar and that's uh that's been fought for a long time yeah and the world health organization says it's 25 grams a day and you can see someone like uh Coca-Cola wouldn't want that because that would mean a single can would put you over that limit. (laughs) Right, right. Or not even Coke, like maybe even a single yogurt package to kids, you know? I mean, that's the scary thing is often it isn't the things that we think of as bad. It's the things we might even think of as good. Oh, yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of yogurt that masquerades as healthy for itself, but uh, not all yogurt is created equal. <laughs> no, no. Yogurts and, and bar protein bars that are basically candy bars, and it's it's difficult to navigate all that. Yeah, whey, whey protein does not taste great in the raw, nor does Greek yogurt. And so they, you know, they try to dress it up with a lot of sugar to make it 
super palatable, but mm-hmm. you're also sort of uh, reversing the the positive effects that you're put you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. Well, we've talked a little bit about self-care for kids, but I wanted to just ask you also, I mean, what are some of the practices that you have in place for self-care for yourself? Uh, for myself, I mean, I'm a, an avid triathlete, um, so I, I'm very honed in on uh, nutrition as well as obviously the training and exercise. I actually uh, am racing Ironman Texas this Saturday. Um so that's a big undertaking. So for me, I actually sort of my philosophy on the whole thing is I've never seen exercise as like a chore. Uh, it's mm. more so a part of my daily routine and something that I do. Uh, because when you make it like a chore where you sort of like punishing yourself like, oh, I have to drive to the gym or I have to do this or I have to do that. Um, that's when it becomes, there's like a negative feeling to it. And once you have that negative association, it becomes less and less likely that people are going to do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for talking with us. Where can people find more information about your camp? Uh, yeah, you can find us at campnewheights.com or on Instagram at Camp New Heights or Twitter at Camp New Heights um, or Facebook uh, at Camp New Heights, California. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at, at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at SelfiePodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care.